0: Right As I was considering what to share uh, this week and what to share moving forward, I thought that uh, I would focus upon the issue of peace and finding peace in the midst of a chaotic world. And uh, we are certainly living in a chaotic world and um, there's so much information out there, so much that uh, is wrong, so much that's right, uh, but... Regardless of whether it's right or wrong, uh, when it hits us, it can be overwhelming. And so I think it's important that we as believers develop skill, develop the the ability to find peace, to rest in the arms of our Lord and Savior. And so over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be looking at this topic and looking at exactly what scriptures have to say about it. And I thought I'd start today with uh, one story that is, is very well known it's from the Gospels. It's a story where Jesus calms the waters. It's a story that um, I think has a lot of things in it that sometimes uh, we overlook, things that we sometimes miss uh, because we're just going through life. We don't, we don't really think about uh, the consequences of what Jesus did uh, on that day. As he calmed the waters, so I want to look at it this morning. And as we prepare to look at it, I, I want to to share a story of uh, my own experience of of this uh, story and how it kind of changed as I interacted with others who see the world just a little bit differently than I do. Several years ago, I was on a trip to Kenya, and while I was on this trip, uh, we had the privilege of going out into the bush and and teaching. Uh, children, teaching adults uh, about scriptures and about what they have to say. And uh, I happened to be at a school teaching uh, several children, and I told this story. And and as I related the story and communicated the story, uh, the kids were interested. They were fascinated by the series of events and all that happened. And when we got to the end, I asked, were there any questions? And one little boy raised his hand, and he asked, Which one of the disciples woke him up? And it wasn't a question I was expecting. I was expecting how big was the boat or uh, something along those lines from kids. But he asked, Which one of the disciples woke him up? And at first I was really puzzled. Why would you ask that question? What is it you're trying to get at? And the leader there, he explained to me, he said that in their culture, relationships and especially relationships to leaders, to great teachers, to important individuals were significant. And so the disciple who had the ability, who had the the chance, who, who took the chance, if you will, to wake up the master had to have been a very important disciple because no one else would have... Been able to take such a risk, and as I thought about that and started to contemplate exactly what that means and and how that might play out in the story, I, I came to understand that we are that disciple. That each of us has the opportunity, so to speak, to wake up the master, to approach the master, to be of such an intimate relationship with Him that we can go to Him in those times when we're fearful, in those times when the world is chaotic. And I want us to keep that reality in mind this morning as we look at the passage, to remember and to recognize the special gift, the ability we have to go to our Master when we're filled with fear. In Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41 is where we find our passage this morning. It says, On that day when evening had come, He said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took Him with them in the boat, just as He was. And other boats were with Him, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace! Be still! And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith?" And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? I think we do find ourselves, especially in situations like we're currently going through, sometimes wondering if, if God cares, sometimes wondering if God is at all interested in what we're going through. But I think in this passage, we come to understand the heart of God. We come to understand the heart of our Savior. And we come to understand what it's going to take from us to discover peace in the midst of the chaotic world. I think the first thing that we need to do is we need to learn to listen to His words. What is it He has told us? He had told them what they would be doing. Let us pass over to the other side. This is God. This is Christ. This is the one who knows all things, who's in control of the future, who's in control of our destiny. And He has already told them, we are going to get to the other side. We are going to get to the place that I have designed, that I have destined for us to get. This, I think, is a part of His rebuke. Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? He has told them. He has communicated to them that they are on this journey and that the journey will culminate not in the waters, but on the other side of the waters. And it's important for us as believers to to read His Word, to know His Word, to act on His Word. And what are some of the promises that He's made to us? Well, He's promised us eternal life. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave us His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. And that life that He promises is not just a future reality. It's not just a, 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 something that's that's out ahead of us. It is certainly out ahead of us, but that's not all it is. It is a quality of life right now as well. It is a it is a life that is full. It is a life that is at peace. That is Jesus promised to us. He also promised us freedom. In John chapter eight, he tells us that if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. That's an important recollection. It's an important perspective given what we know uh, of our current circumstance where so many of our movements, so many of our actions have been constrained, so many of our uh, daily activities have been revoked. To remember that really at the heart of it all, we are indeed free if we are in the sun. Find confidence in that, strengthen that. Is a part of our journey toward peace. He promised us a return one day that He would come back and that He is preparing a place for us. I'm going to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house are our many rooms. He tells us in John chapter 14. There is a destination that we're moving toward. And we can be certain that whatever happens on the journey toward that destination, He has promised us we will arrive at it. Just as He promised the disciples, just as He stated to the disciples that we're going to reach the other side. To begin to understand these promises and so many others that He's given us is to change our view of the storms themselves, the things that we're going through. One of the first European adventurers on the mighty oceans who, who sailed to su- southern Africa went around the Cape on a stormy sea. And his ship was threatened, and it was, looked like it was going to go into pieces, and so he called the place the Cape of Storms. But a later explorer changed the name to the Cape of Good Hope because he saw ahead of him the jewels and the treasures of India. You can call this life a life of storms if you wish, but if you can see the glorious redemption of eternity ahead of you and you can can see what God has promised and you can see what God's going to do and you can see what God is doing, then you can move from a life of storms to a life of good hope. And this is present because Jesus' ultimate promise to us was a real simple one. I will be with you always. And to have Him with us is to have everything that we need. So we must listen to His words, but we must also understand the value of His presence. If He's with us, what does that mean? What does that look like? How does that indeed affect us? It's important that we see that that Jesus called the disciples into the storm. He knew they would reach it to the other side, but he also knew that they would have to go through the storm. When you look at the parallel passage in Matthew chapter eight, you, you come to understand that that his, his command, his, his expression here to get into the boat, to, to move forward to to step out into this circumstance, And into the situation, it was an order from him. It was a command from him. It wasn't, let's just do this. It was, let's get in the boat. Let's go into this moment, into the situation. But it's also important for us to see that as he calls them into the storm, he uses The plural, us. He didn't send them in alone. And while we understand that He is in control and He is directing such things and He is directing our lives, we also need to understand He's not taking us into this by ourselves. He is with us. His presence was as valuable as His actions to calm the sea, they just couldn't see it. And we need to understand, we need to see that His presence with us is as valuable as any cure, as any deliverance, as any help that we might receive, just the fact that He is with us is significant. We need to grow in that knowledge. And the way we grow in the knowledge is growing in our understanding of His power. His presence brings influence when we see His power as well. One of the things that I find interesting about this story is, why did they wake Him up at all? Given the rest of the story, it was clear that they didn't know what He could do. They didn't know that he could calm the sea. They didn't know that he would calm the situation because they're completely startled by that response and by that situation. So why wake him up? Why even go to him? Because they just wanted him to do something. They didn't care what it was. They didn't know what it might be, but they wanted him to do something. And this is so like us in these situations, in these circumstances. We don't really understand or believe what God can do. We just want him to do something. We need to grow in our understanding of His power. And His power is indeed great. Peace. Be still. Another way to render that, another way to to express that is be silent. Or to put it in a more modern vernacular, shut up. He silences the storm. And I love how Mark phrases this because it's not something you would normally think of. The wind ceased and the text says, there was a great calm. Now I've heard of a great storm. I've heard of a great noise. I've, I've heard of a lot of great things, but I've never heard of a great calm. This wasn't a, a situation or a circumstance where things just kind of slowed down and and it became a little more easier to tolerate. Mark here says the calm itself was significant. There was a stillness that set in. When Jesus said, be still. When Jesus said, be silent. The storm didn't move from its noise and boisterousness to a whisper. The storm moved to complete silence. That's power. Such utter and expressive power that the disciples move from being afraid of the storm to now, the text says, they were afraid of Him. Who is this man that even the waters obey His voice? He's more than a man. He's more than we often conceive Him to be so often we've rendered Jesus into this person who who loves us, who cares for us, who is there for us, but who's not necessarily the Lord of the universe. Not necessarily the one who's in control. He's just the one we pray to, the one we talk to, We need to grow in our understanding and our appreciation of the fact that He is all powerful, the God of this universe. But how can we grow in that knowledge? How can we grow in this understanding of who He is? Well, I think there's a couple things that need to be present. Number one, we grow. First of all, by taking care of the things that we're responsible for. Doing the task that He's given us. If we are taking control of and taking charge of and taking responsibility for those things that we are responsible for, then it becomes much more evident what He's capable of. I think a lot of times we ask God for things, we, we, we approach God with things that, that really are on our shoulders, things that He's already empowered us to do, things that He's already he, he's given us the talents and the gifts to do. And because of that, because we're asking Him to take care of those things that we're responsible for, that ends up minimizing what it is that He's actually capable of doing. We see his power through the lens of the simplicity of life. And yes, we need to take everything to him and we need to go with him to to him with the small things and the big things. But at the same time, if that's the only thing we're ever taking to him, then we miss the picture of how grand and how great and how significant he is. Our knowledge of his power also grows by realizing the struggles that we go through can strengthen us when they're placed in His hands. So often we only see the struggles and the situations and the circumstances of life through the lens of deliverance. Just get me through this. Just get me to the other side. Just, just let me see the deliverance so to speak. But the Scriptures tell us to consider it all joy when we face all sorts of diverse situations and circumstances. The Scriptures tell us to to, to find joy in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the agony, in the midst of our circumstances and troubles. Why? Because it's in those situations that we really begin to see the power of God, not just in the deliverance, but in the fact that in the midst of the hurt, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of everything that's going on, He teaches us. He strengthens us. He's so powerful and so amazing that even the bad can be used for His glory and for His purposes. Third, we grow in this knowledge by seeing Him at work in the world around us. Taking time to see those things that He's doing, that sometimes we overlook. The way He's moving, the miracles He's performing, the life that He's granting. This is what we're called to. And fourth, it grows by answering the question that the disciples themselves are asking Who is this man? That even the seas listen to his voice. And we answer that question, and as we answer that question, we worship him with all that we are. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the Almighty Creator, the Alpha and the Omega, the hope in the midst of life's storms. To see that, to worship that, to understand that is to begin to grasp what life is really about. Life isn't about storms and the solutions to storms necessarily. It's about seeing Him for all that He is. And when we do that, we begin to see that we were built for the storm. We were built for the storm because it's in those storms that we see who God really is. Dr. Alvin Roginus was the president of Luther Seminary in St. Paul. When his son, Paul, who was only 24, came back from England, got off the bus in Minneapolis and he was hit by a car and killed instantly. Dr. Rajanis wrote several devotionals growing out of that experience. And in one in particular, he wrote, you and I are built for storms. We are not built for cozy, safe little harbors. The Lord is with us. With Him, we have the kind of craft that can weather any storm. In fact, we should head out for the storms. One of the great perils that faces the church in our day is that we will steer people out of the storm centers. We are not to anchor our lives in some sheltered cove and let the storms tossed world go by. The Lord's call is not like that—not to an easier task, but a greater cause; not to peace, but to battle; not to cozy harbor, but to the sea of storms. We are not built for safe harbors. We are built. Storms. Why? Because we are built by a Savior who loves us, by a God who walks with us, by a Spirit that comforts and empowers us to do a work that reveals Him to a world desperately in need of answers. As we go through this time, as we deal with these difficulties, let us always recognize that the Master invites us to approach Him. The Master encourages us to trust Him. And the Master empowers us to walk with Him. May God be with you.